Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. Are you serious? Hello, this is how to kill an hour. There's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you in advance for killing some time with us. My name is Marcus Bronzy. I'm joined by producer Bill. How you doing, buddy? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I mean... When this episode is released, when is this episode going to be released, Billy? If we if we use our our, our calculations, because we're recording this a little bit in advance, this episode. I want to say middle of December. Middle of December. So we should be out of lockdown then in the UK, and all be with new tier systems, which I'm not even aware about, right? Because we're not there yet, and looking forward to a Christmas before locking down again. Um, and that's all I want to say about that, really, to be fair. <laughs> uh, so via Zoom, how you been killing time recently, Bill? What you been up to, mate? Um, what have I been doing? I've been playing Mafia 3 um, on the PS. Um, and that, more or less, I think, apart from listening to podcasts and what have you, I think it's more or less it. Oh, go on. What podcast have you been listening to, Bill? I've uh, been listening to uh, Joe Rogan and I've the been listening Rogan-ator. to Steve-O, Steve-O's podcast. I got into a bit of Steve-O. I think we all know what Rogan's about. So what's the, what's the pull on Steve-O's podcast? I've genuinely not listened to it. steve is just a funny guy. He's just, in, just telling about the stuff he was, when he was wild in um, Jackass, he just has different, different guests on. He had Dr. Drew on lately. Um, not Dr. Dre. No, Dr. Drew is just like a famous... Um, hip hop producer, <laughs> famous uh, doctor in America. Yeah, um, and the, yes, it's, it's, it's quite a good, quite a good podcast. I'd, I'd listen to it. What does Doctor Drew? To listen to it, sorry. What does Doctor Drew talk like? Do I'm curious. I mean, we should link to this podcast. We talk about killing time. We shouldn't be shy, shy about sharing other podcasts. What does Doctor Drew do and talk about? He just talks about. Um, well, <clears throat> Scott uh, Steve O just talks about um, how Doctor Drew helped him get him. Sc- helped him get sober and he talked to him about all the crazy stories he's had while while he was getting sober crazy stories while he was getting sober am i going to presume it's when he fell off the wagon a little bit whilst he was trying to get sober just uh, just well yeah more more or less you just like oh um because he went on he went on steve-o's show uh mm-hmm. no steve went on dr drew's show in america right it's quite crazy first introduction and it just goes from there all right sick interesting all right, link to that then. And then uh, what else you said you've been doing? Oh, Mafia 3, that's it. So Mafia 3, not the newest game. What made you draw for it recently? It's, it's, it's very different to the first two. 
you're not you're not quite you're not part of the mafia per se you're taking out the mafia oh plot twist is it what would you say it's worthwhile us going through the mafia games and replaying them at some point is it like because are they all kind of ready for is it all previous gen or can we play them on next gen that's what i'm kind of curious about and if they're worth kind of playing next gen, it's backwards compatible nice nice you playing on xbox no i'm playing it on ps on ps all right cool wicked and and the bundle came out and you're saying it's just like a good bit of fun what like is it can you tell the first game's kind of not was created at a time, shall I say, when there weren't as many as much graphics. Well, the first one is a complete rebuild. Like it's from rebuild from the ground up using new graphics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, Mafia Two is a remaster, so it's still using the same graphics, but it's been okay. made better for HD and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can tell you can tell the second one was a bit dated, and the third one was made on these on this current generation anyway. So, all right, cool. All right, wicked. Look forward to playing that, bruv. Sounds like it's something that's interesting. I might have to get into it as well. I might have to do a little mafia featurette moving forward. Um, so, Bill, the way I've been killing time recently is something that we've done a little while back when it's a little bit warmer, but we wanted to just give it a bit of air because we uh, have been in a futuristic vehicle, the Honda E, which is Honda's first electric car that they've kind of brought to the table fully electrified and what honda want to do is they want to have electrified all of its sales by 2025 and it's all starting with this honda e uh honda call it a dream made real but i wanted to test it and find out if that was the case uh first things first it's a brand new design from honda but it looks like the honda original honda civic so if you type in in your phone honda e and then honda civic original or honda original civic you'll kind of see the the similarities so it's quite a boxy design it's like a small car built it's like a uh, you, you put it in, what would you compare it to size-wise? Bigger than a smart car, smaller than... Modern-day Mini. Yeah, modern-day Mini, yeah, but an electrified version, their version. Um, it's got very nice round headlights on the front. It's got this nice grill on it. Uh, they started throwing tech into it. They've thrown quite a lot of tech into it, so let me go through some of the tech bits in it. They've got no wing mirrors on the car when you look at it. No wing mirrors, Bill. Instead, they've got these small cameras that they've actually put just where wing mirrors should be on the car. These tiny little cameras, which I was just like, what? Like a little bit off key, but I'll get back to those in a minute. Cause I was like, what? No mirrors. Is that allowed? But I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, outside the car as well. It's also got these door handles that are flush. Uh, when you walk up to the car, they illuminate and pop out, which is quite, you know, I think we all like that when your hand, handle pops out to greet you. Do you know what I mean? So there you go. It's got a bit of that. Um, the rear wind uh, doors have got these like little, um, things that you push in and poke out like these little kind of handles that you can reach in and pull out they're cool they're nice um i won't give it a little bit of pressure though for the rear doors though if you wind down the windows on the rear doors there's this little edge of glass sticking out which i think they could have wind down but um you can see the video for more of that information Uh, anyway um it's got a charge port on a bonnet it's just four meters in length 1.8 meters in width so that's the outside of the car bill yeah it's got some fancy rooms on it It comes in a few nice colors as well platinum white uh crystal black pearl we got it in this like kind of electric blue which is pretty cool um uh, or blue metallic as they call it and yeah inside it's brown you don't really get much choice in the seat belt color all right anyway so um up front bill it was pretty cool nice drive i'll get more give more detail about that in a second but if i was surprised that it fitted me as a six foot person a lot of time people say how much space is there in a car i think i'm the great 
a great example of how much space there is in a vehicle. If I can fit in it, then we know that the vehicle's got reasonable size in it. So the Honda E, um, I was pretty pleased with the amount of size it had in it. I've got to say, with that being said, I doubt that you'd be able to fit two people behind me. If it was like two me's in the front, I doubt you'd be able to fit two people behind me. So I'd say if you're a small fella or a small lady, then you'd be able to fit a few other people in the back with you. But for me, not so much. Um, yeah, I mean, what else do you want to know, Bill? I've got loads to tell you about. You just let I me mean, know, bruv. I mean, I watched the Top Gear episode that featured the Honda E and the wing mirrors did look a bit strange. Yeah, well, what's interesting, they've got this rainproof protective cover on them, this this sheen on them, which means that even though I felt like they might not be safe, they are safe. As soon as I got in there and sat in and drive it, you get used to it within about five minutes. It's the, the way that it displays us in the wing mirrors is you get these cool little screens, which are kind of like at your eye line inside the car and they actually got this water resistant stuff on them. So even if it rains all over the place, you don't get a big blob of rain obscuring your... Oh, view. right, cool. Yeah, the screens on the inside of this car. So it's like, I'd, be, I'd forever be looking out. Like if you drive an automatic car, I yeah. would... I would move my hand instinctively to move the gear and there's no, there's no gear stink. Like if I was to drive a Tesla again, I'd want to move my foot to push the clutch down and move the gear stink. It's just, yeah. just as you've been driving so many years, you're instinctively going to do that. So yeah, it's weird for the first few minutes. Car. It's weird for the first few minutes. You just get used to it. Like, you know, that's a really good example. Like when you're in an automatic car, when you drive in another country, you've got to think about it for a few minutes and you just kind of get used to it. In fact, you kind of got to turn your head less because the screens are inside the car. So if you wanted to be, you know, narky, it could be safer because you haven't got as far to move your head. Um, speaking of screens, you've got two screens for infotainment in there as well. So you've got a total of five screens in the front, two screens for infotainment, uh, two wind mirror feeds, um, a driver display screen and two infotainment scheme, uh, screens as well, um, which off the bat, I'll be honest, the onboard entertainment system that is in, included isn't one that really is a bit clunky. It's not my favorite. However, you can actually access Apple CarPlay. So you just plug your phone in, and you've got all your Apple CarPlay stuff. Speaking of plugging stuff in, the Honda E also has a HDMI input, which means you can do th madness in terms of, I connected my laptop to it. I connected a Nintendo Wii to it. You can play computer games as a passenger in the car while someone's driving. That was just mental, putting a HDMI input in the car. And speaking of like inputs and plugs, it's a little bit more mental than that. I'll, I'll get onto that in just a second. Um, it's a small car. So it's not got the largest battery in it, but you can charge up in 31 minutes up to 80%, which gives you, which if you have a 50 kilowatt charger, isn't too bad. If, if it's like the more common seven kilowatt chargers that you get all over the place, it can take up to 20 hours to charge it. So you're looking at an overnight charge on a full charge, 136 miles on paper. I got about 120. So it's a small car for little round town trips. This isn't one that I take out on big grand tours. You have not got those like kind of 300 mile capacities like you have got on bigger electric vehicles. It's a nippy little one. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's got a tight little turning circle. The one we had was like the fancier, the two flavors. It was the advanced model. So it had heated steering wheel, heated front windscreen, premium sound system, had a little subwoofer in it, parking pilot that parked it for you. And also it had a conventional plug so I could plug stuff into it. In fact, in the video that we made that we'll link to in this podcast description, I plug in things that I don't think I've ever plugged into a car before. Home devices. 
other home devices. <laughs> I don't want to say too much, but we plug in a bunch of kit, man. Um, so yeah, all in all, Bill, great car, um, small for around town. Is it something that's like a all? It can do everything to replace kind of your vehicle if you take long journeys. I don't know if you ha- if you know where the chargers are, you can guarantee yourself a charge. Maybe you're comfortable with that, but. Um, I know a lot of the time with electric vehicles, because there can be, if you're out and about issues with the chargers, you, I don't kind of want to make like travel too far without knowing that I can get home again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, all in all, it's a cool little car. Nice futuristic. Look, I think look, Honda, you throw another hundred miles into it range wise onto a winner, onto a winner. One of the most fun electric cars I had to drive. And people looked at it and were like, yeah, that looks futuristic. I think we spoke about that with the Audi e-tron bill. Like people said to us, People said to us like, oh yeah, you know what? It's a cool car, but it doesn't really look electric. Do you know what I mean? The Honda E looks electric. Anyway, if you want full information on that and a much better description, we've got a video that you'll link to and we'll also put that up on our YouTube and at howtokillanhour.com. Speaking of awesome cars, good seg. We're going to talk to an awesome race car driver. Um, She's been absolutely rising up the ranks when it comes to driving and she's been absolutely nailing it. Uh, I'd like to introduce to the show, Jamie Chadwick. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. We're still in lockdown in most of the world. Describe where you are and the setting that you're in right now. Bring us in there. <laughs> right now, I'm uh, back in London. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I say I'm in lockdown. Uh, this lockdown is quite different to the first one for me. Um, I'm still in the middle of a race season. So, actually, it's kind of busier than ever with traveling, which is really unusual because everyone else is maybe in the complete opposite situation. But, yeah, I've managed to get a couple of nights back at home. Um, and then, yeah, I'm back off again, back to Europe. Yeah, I was going to say, how's that affected the kind of race vibe that you're in at the moment? Because, you know, it's been, I think I went over to Goodwood uh, and it was a very different experience for me. And yeah, that's not a race, but I just felt like it was really different. Less people, less of a kind of human buzz there, but obviously still all of the noise of the cars. What's it like racing? Yeah, I mean, it's different. I think we've kind of got used to it. It's definitely the new normal. Um, Yeah, definitely the first few races we had were really weird. Um, Almost 
it gave you no sense of occasion because you turn up and it'll be a bit of a ghost town. It was literally like going on a practice day or something. But yeah, I think we've kind of got used to it. Um, it's now, like I said, the new normal. There's no sort of difference in how we attend each race weekend. Um, we just go out and try and do do the job we can. And yeah, it's just the traveling that's a bit unusual. Uh, going through airports and stuff when there's no one, no one around. It's a bit bizarre. It's odd, right? I mean, I'm going to ask you, have you been killing your killing time in a specific way? Like, what have you been doing while you're traveling? Because you're not obviously not racing when you're doing that. So what do you do to kill time when you're traveling around? It's a good question. Um, a lot of Netflix. I um, But then the thing is, I thought during lockdown, actual lockdown, um, I almost like watched too much. So I couldn't like, when I first started traveling, I couldn't be watching too much. I had to start reading, doing other stuff uh, to fill the time. But yeah, I'm back on the Netflix bandwagon now and yeah, just trying to basically kill as much time as I can. There's so much time doing nothing, like you said, when we're not racing. Um, yeah. Now traveling also isn't so easy. So we end up, yeah, taking longer flights than we need to. And it's, yeah, definitely a lot of time to be passing. What have you been watching on Netflix? I've just watched The Queen's Gambit, which um, I quite enjoyed. Um, Amazon Prime Succession I watched, uh, or been watching. Um, and then just general trash to be honest uh stuff to kill time but uh yeah i've started re-watching stuff as well which is you know when you start re-watching stuff it's dangerous territory yeah man yeah yeah i'm, I'm just like i have i don't i don't know if i'm even confident enough i have some real guilty pleasures that i'm watching on netflix at the moment some proper i don't want to call it trash but it's I not you're say stuff like Dawson's creek or something you know, you're not far off. You're not Ooh. far off. I've been, I've been watching stuff like that's been, I don't want to call it trash because it's not fair on the show, but I'd, I wouldn't say I've learned anything from it. It has no educational value. It's just like, it's like a little McDee's once in a while. You've got to have it. It's nice, but you don't want to have it every day because it's not good for you. Do you know what no, I mean? No, I'm the opposite. I end up watching it every day. Um, <laughs> and it really ruins my life. Uh, my team asked me why I've not sent a driver report or anything from the weekend. And it's just because I've been binge watching utter trash. Shouldn't admit that. But. Sorry, driver reports late. I've been watching New Girl. So, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Sorry. There you go. So, F1, I mean, can we just roll it right back to the start? How did you get into it? Because I think people are always really interested how people get into F1 driving or, or race car driving in general, should we say? Yeah, I mean, it's not an obvious sport to sort of try your hand at. It's not, yeah, the first uh, thing that came to my head when I was younger. Um, I'm not from a racing background. So most young drivers or go-karters, yeah, most of them start naturally because their parents um, maybe raced or they come from a motorsport background. So it becomes quite natural for them to do that. Whereas for me, it wasn't the case at all. Um, my older brother, out of chance, I think, um, maybe a go-karting party or something, took his hand to it, really enjoyed it, started it sort of very much as a hobby at the age of, I think, 13 or 14. And I quite quickly was the one behind him. I wanted to give it a go myself. Obviously, sibling rivalry played a bit of a part in that. And yeah, it went from there, really. Uh, started as a hobby, um, started relatively late when I was 12 and yeah, progressed onwards. And now I think to be able to be in the position I am and call it a career is yeah a bit of a dream come true, but also completely unexpected uh, if I looked at 10 years ago when I first started. Did you say starting late at the age of 12? How early are people starting? Because 12 to me, I feel that's a relatively early time to start any career. If I spoke to like a banker, if I spoke to like a joiner, if I spoke to anyone in any industry, 12 to me sounds like a very early age. So for you to say that's late, that's real interesting. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's slightly worrying. Um, yeah, definitely in go-karting. I think they can start at like four to six years old now. 
um which yeah and if you look at like they're driving go-karts like 40 50 miles an hour um and they're about this big it's yeah insane um but yeah I was so well 12 I was still young but I think that's kind of late for uh yeah most people to start okay cool so 12 years old you took it up and what what's next like how how does it all start do you, do you start practicing do you start racing like how, how does it work I, i'd really like to to like be in the world and kind of work out how you got from where you were at 12 to kind of where you are now yeah it's a good question um because yeah for me it was never an obvious pathway because i wasn't from a motor racing background i had no parent telling me you know this is exactly the route you need to take if you want to yeah. be a you know racing driver um i just did it really purely based on whatever sort of came around and what i was enjoying at the time so yeah, I started in go-karts, um, which is a much bigger world than I think people realise. Um, I mean, I think people associate uh, go-karting with maybe something that you can do on a stag do or um, with your friends at a party. But actually, it's this huge world that is a massive sport in itself. And um, yeah, my brother was racing a little bit before in go-karts, so he had his own go-kart. Um, and I had a go in his in a practice session um, at our local go-kart track. And then that led to me want to get my license so you then do I think to get your license you have to do four or five practice sessions um to get yeah your race license I guess um and then I started racing and that was kind of it really from the go-karting point of view as soon as I started racing it was yeah once a month they have these club events um where you yeah basically have four races and a final um and I'll do that once a month loved every minute of it it was always a hobby but um yeah still really enjoyed it alongside everything else I was doing as a 12 year old 12 13 year old girl um and then after that it's sort of the natural progression is to go into car racing but obviously it's quite a big step up going from a go-kart to a car and um yeah to fund that as well is quite a big uh, big deal so um I was looking at options as to how maybe I could get involved in car racing and uh, the Genetta Junior Championship, which is in the UK, the only car racing series where you can be 14 years old and drive a racing car. Um, right. So they offer this scholarship uh, where if you win the scholarship, they fund your whole season in this championship at the age of 14. So I saw the opportunity to do uh, the scholarship and I was like, that looks amazing. Uh-huh. Um, no expectation. Um, I had my brothers to prepare me for it and yeah, managed to win that when I was 13 or 14 and got the following year racing in cars. And then honestly, ever since then, it's just been about finding the opportunities, finding, uh, you know, the chance to keep keep doing stuff and whatever it was in, whether it was in sports cars or now single seaters, which is sort of the formula racing cars, formula three kind of cars. Um, yeah, I've just been trying to enjoying every minute of it. And like I said, yeah, only sort of maybe in the last two or three years have I been able to kind of look at it and be like, this could be a career and yeah, take it from there really. Yeah, I mean, that is that's a phenomenal story I, I like the fact that that your brother let you have a go in his car and I feel like if I was your older brother I'd be like you know what <clears throat> you're welcome my 10% I'll collect that after every single win that you have was there a tipping point be real was there a point when you realized that you were better than your brother or should we say your brother conceded and realized that you were better than him <laughs> I get asked this a lot I feel bad for him because now he stopped racing now um, and yeah poor guy gets a lot of crap from everyone I think about it but honestly we were actually really similarly matched um in terms of ultimate I guess what we call pace or lap time or who was quicker we're really similar but completely opposite ways of getting to that like we had complete opposite styles and approaches to to the sport so 
it was quite good to well now to reflect on that at the time um we were both living at home my parents for them had uh a lot of dinner table conversations sort of ruined by my brother and I arguing over all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it was more, I think he was the one that paved the path in the family to get into motorsport because, yeah, like I said, my parents didn't come from any motor racing background. And, yeah, I followed him through and I think, um, yeah, he paved the path most of the way and then I got some opportunities that he didn't get and so now he doesn't race anymore. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to have, have to answer that question in a point-blank blank way, but um, <laughs> I think... I'm sure for him, uh, it wasn't the best feeling having his younger little sister that he got into the sport uh, then, yeah, overtaking him. If I was him, I'd be super proud and I'm sure he is as well. I'd just be like, you know what? I, I made that. You see? <laughs> see that great driver over there? He does, credit for it now. He does, yeah, he does yeah. claim that it's all him. 100%. I'll do that. Call anyone <laughs> I know that does anything good, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's 100%. <laughs> Gave them some advice. That was me. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It's interesting, actually. You've got me thinking. There's loads of really prolific um, people that work in racing or other sports and stuff like that that have got siblings that help to push them. So that's quite interesting though, isn't it? I feel like there could be something that really grows out of a, a healthy sibling rivalry that maybe helps to give siblings the edge when it comes to making sure that they're always on their toes. Cause if it's just, if it was just you racing in your family by yourself, you might not have your brother poking you or you might not be poking yeah. your brother to kind of do better. So that's really interesting. I think you're not wrong at all. I think there's nothing like sibling rivalry. Um, yeah. I think, of course, you know, there's the sort of family relationship that you have there, but you also, from our point of view, um, I know people feel the same in the sense that there's no one that I wanted to be more than him. Yeah. Um, and so for sure that pushes you on a lot, but also there's no one that knows you better. So he knows your weaknesses, knows your strengths and um, vice versa. So yeah, it definitely does have a big impact on that. And you're right. I think if you actually look at some of um, the sports, I guess like the Brownie brothers, and there's quite a few where siblings are, um, you know, known to be strong training partners, strong parents, but also big rivals. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So you spoke about style of driving. What is your style of driving? It's a good question. I feel like it's constantly changing. Um, when I was younger, when I first got into karting, my brother had this quite aggressive style where he was either, he would win the race or he'd crash out of the race. There was never an in-between. Whereas I was much more, um, I would say, consistent in my, <laughs> in my approach. And yeah, I'd more likely finish second or third um, as opposed to crash or win, if that makes sense. Um, so we both had quite different approaches in that sense. Um, from my side, I'm quite smooth. Um, yeah, quite, uh, I would say, Pinpoint uh, with the steering wheel, quite smooth, um, fingertips, is what we call it. Um, whereas Ollie, my brother, has a bit more of an aggressive style. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting because we're, like I said, both very different, but ultimately get to the same same lap time. Okay, cool. And how does your style compare to most of the people that you compete against at the moment? I think it all becomes quite similar. Um, it's interesting. We, in motorsport, there's so much data and telemetry and everything that we get and feedback Um that you end up, we are looking for such small margins of time and you have everything, you can see it all on a sort of computer screen. Uh, your engineers can tell you exactly where you're losing that time if you're braking a bit too early or a bit too late and exactly how to find it. So quite often you end up all driving quite similarly because you see exactly, um, you know, how to go quicker. Um, so now it's kind of morphed into a style that, you know, is preparing me for, yeah, bigger cars so for example I'm racing in Formula 3 level cars at the moment um, the style required to race in a Formula 1 car is quite different so 
the whole process now is preparing uh, my driving to be able to jump in a Formula One car one day and be able to drive it as quick as possible. Definitely. And a, a great thing that will definitely work towards that is being a development driver. Like, what was it like when Williams gave you the call to come up and do that? Because that sounds like an awesome opportunity. Oh, so cool. Um, yeah, I think that's the thing that people don't realise at all is even as a young driver coming through, the access we get to Formula One teams and the Formula One paddock and that world is actually really, really small. So, yeah, this was my first opportunity to be a part of a Formula One team, um, which, yeah, out of all the Formula One teams as well, to be part of Williams. And last year, Claire Williams was the deputy team principal for, so that played a big role. And it was incredible to be a part of, um, you know, that team uh, being such an iconic team. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was something that I was obviously super proud to be a part of but also I learned so so much and I think it's going to play a big role in yeah whatever I go on to do next awesome awesome and I mean look F F1 is is a in great place to be at and uh, you know I feel like you're definitely on a great trajectory I mean as a woman in the sport it's I suppose I feel like now more than ever people are, are things are starting to change but I presume that throughout your career it's been something that you've obviously be made hyper aware of even even when even i feel even weird bringing it up because it feels like i'm trying to i'm trying to fork out stuff but obviously there's been challenges along the way but with regards to the sport are things moving in the right direction with regards to being a woman yeah i think so um i think definitely more and more opportunities are coming available um yeah. i think from my side um there's no better time to be a woman in motorsport there's so many great opportunities and so much support out there. Um, I think the issue is there just aren't enough women to kind of be able yeah. to maximise these opportunities. Um, sadly, for whatever reason, um, I think maybe a perception thing. Um, yeah, there are many girls that start in go-karts and therefore the sort of filter that goes through to the top, um, naturally, there aren't as many um, that get there. So I think from my side, um, it's a great time to be a woman in motorsport. There's a lot of opportunity floating around, but... We just need more and more girls to get involved in the sport to make make you know that happen. Definitely, and you know, there's a lot of young women that are looking up to you, and they'd like to get into it, or maybe they're just feeling like they should. Have you got any advice for them in terms of what how they can get into the sport? I think in terms of getting into the sport, um, the natural starting place is go karting. Um, the advice I would give is there's no fixed way, there's no uh, trodden path that you have to go down. Um, I think I'm sort of proof in the pudding with that sense. Um, you know, I didn't do things by the natural um, route, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, start in go-karts if you can. Um, try it out. I think don't let anything put you off with it because from my side, um, I did the sport because I loved it. Um, at the beginning, I started as a hobby and I did it purely out of the enjoyment and the love. And now I'm lucky enough to call it a career. So, yeah, don't let anything put you off. Uh, if you do love it, just keep pushing. With regards to the sport, how would you like to see things develop? Would you like there to be a women's Formula One that has the same kind of coverage as we do with the current Formula One? Or do you think we should just mix it all up with regards to genders question. and racing cars? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I spent my whole career racing against men uh, in equal competition. Um, and up until this point, there's been no reason for me to feel like there's a reason why I can't um, compete equally against men. Um, of course, it's a physical sport, but ultimately, uh, maximum physical strength isn't the main thing that, you know, makes you uh, win like Lewis Hamilton or not. So, yeah, I think from my side, I think it's possible to have mixed competition. Um, we just need more and more women to get involved in the sport and maybe the perception for it to be less male dominated so that we can get that. And 
yeah, ultimately a greater split between men and women. Cool. What do you think uh, us as men, go and I can represent us all, what do you think us as men can do to help kind of balance things out and make sure things are, are fair in the future? I don't think anything. Honestly, I think it's really difficult because it is a male-dominated sport. I yeah. think that's a perception thing. I think that's maybe something that's uh, come from a long time ago when, you know, it's yeah. seen that men played with cars and girls, so the women stayed at home and cooked the dinner. So I think... From my point of view, uh, now being so involved in the sport and at so many different levels, um, there's never a feeling that I have where I feel like, um, you know, um, I've been put out of place because there are, it is so male dominated. But I think from a perception point of view, we do just need more and more women in the sport. So it does seem more accessible for girls coming through. Awesome. Awesome. Um, obviously, F1 has been in the news quite a lot recently because Lewis Hamilton has basically become the greatest ever driver in the world at the moment. What were your thoughts on that? It's unbelievable. I think um, it's, it's crazy. And I think a lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. I think in my opinion, and I am biased, but I'm also a sports fan. Uh, I watch a lot of other sport. I really do think he's our greatest sportsman um, of all time. Or at the moment, yeah. if nothing else. And yeah, what he's achieved and how he's achieved it. Um, I know he's with a team that um, give him the opportunity to be able to perform week in, week out, but to still perform like he does every week is yeah unbelievable and yeah true credit to him and hopefully next year he can yeah take his eighth world title and become yeah the greatest of all time officially definitely i mean i think it's i think it's unfair that people um say that like because i think there's no top level sport where it isn't a team effort do you know what i mean so to like break down any kind of person that's kind of on their zenith because i like to think that that lewis hamilton is right there he's at, he's at his best at the moment um I think it's unfair when people say, oh, yeah, but they've got a whole team. I'm like, that's obvious. Do you know what I mean? That's like wherever you're successful, if you really break it down, no one's self-made in any sense. There's always a team, whether it's the team, you know, making sure that your car runs fast or your mum and your dad making sure that, you know, you've got a roof over your head and some nice food when you're younger to help develop you. Do you know what I mean? So I was, I thought, I think that's a little bit unfair when people are like that. And I, I agree with you totally. Like we should totally give him his credit and let's hope he brings that eighth home. I mean, if he does... That's that's real history book material. I mean, it already is where he's at, but that's going to be crazy, right? Yeah, I think, well, firstly, you're completely right. It is a team effort. And I think, yeah, Mercedes, for example, that he's achieved majority of these titles with, um, yeah, deserve a huge amount of credit to dominate a sport like Formula One like that is yeah. no small feat. So, yeah, kudos to them. And I think from Lewis's point of view, yeah, I think if he does get his eighth world title next year, then I would imagine that's not something I'm going to experience in my lifetime again. Um or that record being beaten because yeah, to win that many world titles is yeah, insane. And of course he's put himself in the right position at the right time to be um, yeah, where he is, but ultimately yeah. still week in, week out perform. It's 21 race weekends a year, if not more. So to be able to perform every single weekend, not make mistakes and yeah, yeah do what he's done is uh, no small feat. When you're consistently racing like that, when you have loads of races and you're, and you're, uh, how does that affect you physically and mentally? What's it like when you're kind of, towards the end of the season when you're racing week in, week out? Yeah, it's tough. I think your body conditions itself physically. So, um, yeah, it's really tough. But ultimately, the more races you do, um, the more your body just adapts and gets used to it. There's always this feeling in the first test or the first day you do in the car after the winter break, um, your body just feels horrific afterwards. Um, you get out of the car the next day, you wake up and you're so sore. And by the end of the year, it just feels natural because your body adapts yeah. um, but mentally it's really tough because 
yeah, else, I guess if you're Lewis Hamilton and you're winning week in, week out, um, and you've got that momentum, then, you know, you're sort of thrived by, or you're pushed by this sort of momentum of confidence and motivation. But I think when things aren't going well, or you're having up and down seasons and you're under a lot of pressure, it can be pretty draining and bouncing back when you've not got that much time to bounce back. And yeah, you've not also got time to have, you know, downtime, I guess. You're constantly on the road, onto the next race, um, focusing on what's next. I think, yeah, it's not easy at all. And it shows in my opinion, how difficult the sport is because it's not just a physical sport. It's not just a mental sport. It's so many things uh, put together that, you know, make it yeah, possible to win world titles or even races like Lewis. Awesome. Awesome. What's it like driving a single seater race car? Cause I've been in fast cars before I've been in a couple of like, you know, racing style cars around a track, but it looks really different and I hear it's really different. How can, could you explain it to me in like the most layman terms, what it's like driving a single seat, a car, like what, maybe what the difference is between regular driving as well. Yeah. So obviously being no one to stop you going at hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, yeah, big <laughs> Saves a lot of stress. Having yeah, to yeah, not yeah. Worry about no tickets. Um, Great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason um, I do it. Um, no. So the best way to describe it, uh, it sounds a bit weird, but, um, firstly, a single seater, um, clues in the name, there's just one seat, um, but also it's uh, open cockpit. So whereas in your road car, you're protected by windscreen um, and a roof, we've not got that. So we have what they call a halo now that protects your head a little bit, but your whole helmet and your head is exposed to the, you know, basically the air resistance. Um, and the way that the car is designed and set up, if you look at a Formula One car, for example, um, it's designed to have a lot of downforce. So that effectively is the opposite of an aeroplane is the best way to describe it. So an aeroplane is designed so that it can give you lift. Um, so that basically can stay in the air um, and lift up when it's going through the air. Whereas a race car is designed to do the opposite. So it's designed to st stick to the ground. So you can go around corners and you can basically um, carry as much speed around a racetrack as possible with it staying uh, stuck to the ground without, you know, having any, um, you know, issues or it coming off. Um, so that's kind of the best way to describe the way that the car is. Um, we then can make so many setup changes and make so many different, um, yeah, adaptations to the car to make it suit the driver and suit the circuit more and more. Um, but ultimately, the whole focus is having a balance between having as much straight line speed as possible so going as fast in a straight line, but also being able to carry as much speed around the corners as you can. So, for example, um, the Mercedes F1 car that Lewis, is drive, Lewis drives can probably go uh, well over 200 miles an hour in a straight line. But the main thing is making sure it can still carry, you know, around 150, 160 miles an hour around a pretty tight corner um, without uh, yeah, losing any time. Wow. <laughs> so really fast. <laughs> really, yeah, really fast. Really short, short, yeah. short term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you, when you're driving a regular car, would you say that it, it's a totally different skill set because you're doing, it's just, a, it, it's, I feel like some people think, oh yeah, F1, just a bit fast, but it is a totally different set of skills, right? That you have to kind of employ to drive a, a single, a single seater. Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it's still got a steering wheel and two pedals. Good. Right, um, it's good to know. <laughs> obviously, I mean, if you didn't have speed cameras, I'm sure you could use some of the same skills. Yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. 
when I broke up. But yeah, ultimately it's completely different. Um, yeah, main thing that's different or for me that I find is obviously the physicality. Um, yeah. A lot of people obviously drive road cars and they say, oh, you don't have to be that fit to drive a racing car. But I mean, if you are driving along on motorway at 70 miles an hour and you put your hand out the window, if you feel that air resistance against your hand, mm. if you imagine doing double to triple the speed of that and your head for the whole duration of a race is exposed, um, you just have to think how strong your neck has to be. And yeah, that's only half of the battle. So um, yeah, I think that's the main sort of misconception uh, with road driving and race driving. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's really good to know, man. I look forward to seeing you doing more racing as well. I mean, what have we got coming up from you in regards to you on the racetrack? Where should we look for you? Yeah, so I've still got a few races left um, this season. Um, I'm racing out in Europe at the moment in sort of a regional Formula 3 championship. Um, and then next year, still to, to be confirmed as to what I'm going to be up to, but we're hoping to do as much as possible. Um, I think it's getting announced um, tomorrow, actually, that I'm going to be racing in something called Extreme E. Um, which is actually more like rallying. Um, it's an electric rally uh, championship that goes all over the world um, as part of a, you know, uh, project to basically raise awareness for climate change, but also um, race in some amazing locations and have some amazing racing. So yeah, it ticks the box for me and something that I'm really looking forward to being a part of. Awesome, awesome. Um, and obviously, when you're on the road a lot, um, you have to be in and out of your house. So obviously, security is quite important as well. And we know that you work with Arlo, a security company. Um, how has Arlo helped during lockdown? Yeah, massively. Um, yeah, I travel a lot. I live on my own. Um, so yeah, just having confidence to be able to lock up my property and go away and not have to worry too much is where yeah, Arlo has been a massive part of that and the work that I've done with them has actually given me a lot of peace of mind because the last thing you want um, when you're away racing is to be worrying or thinking about, you know, what's going on at your uh, apartment. You want, be able, you want to be able to lock up and uh, leave without any stress. So, yeah, that's where Arlo's been perfect. And also now we've got some long winter nights. Uh, it's pretty dark outside. Um, the floodlight really does help when I come in uh, in the evenings to yeah, make sure we've not got any issues. Cool. It's like it's quite smart security as well, isn't it, Arlo? So it's not like conventional cameras. It's it's quite future facing, right? Yeah, it's amazing. The cameras that they offer are really really cool. Um, they've got the floodlight uh, that they use is so strong. Honestly, you come up to the light and it's <laughs> blinding. But it's exactly what you need, and um, yeah, it gives me every confidence and peace of mind when um, yeah I'm away racing. That's what I like, man. I like I like to check. I like to be able to check on my property when I'm out and about as well. It's always good to know you can like flip flip open your mobile phone and be like, yeah, right, everything's in place. That's all good. Yeah. Very much. Okay. Yeah, good bit of peace of mind. Um, so yeah, with with regards to your future of racing, obviously, I know you want to win. That's what you want to keep doing. But if we could break it down a bit more, how would you like ideally your path in racing to go in the future? Like, I'd love to be able to catch up with you in in a few years or or, or you know next year and be like, right, cool. Let's see where you're at with it. But what's the plan, Jamie? Um, I think from my side, I want to, you know, make it as high as I possibly can. Uh, like you said, I think all sports people and all racing drivers um, are sort of driven by success and by winning races. Um, so ultimately, um, yeah, that's the same goal for me. Uh, I want to be winning races, racing at the top level and ultimately a world champion one day. I wish you all the best in that, Jamie. And I, I'm, I'll be uh, keeping an eye on you and, and your your uh, antics when it comes to single uh, single um, seater vehicles in the future. And I wish you, like, honestly, like us here at How to Kill an Hour, um, we're, we're fans of racing to a degree, I'd say. So, yeah, we really hope that you kick ass out there and um, we see you on the podium moving forward. Where can we find you on social media, Jamie? 
Um, for me, it's uh, yeah, at Jamie Chadwick fifty five uh, on everything. Um, so yeah, Instagram is probably my main uh, main channel to upload uh, anything on. But yeah, that's that's um, where it's at at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. That's it's that's where it's at at the moment. Are you are you are you an infinity scroller? Do you have a little scroll on the ground once in a while? Horrendous. Um, I try and say I'm not. I try and pretend that I don't. Uh, I'm not addicted to my phone, but I absolutely am. The first thing I do when I wake up is scroll through Instagram. And probably the last thing I do at night. So I need to get out of that habit. It's not healthy. I watched The Social Dilemma the other day. Yeah. And it's awful. Um, but I'm not going to try and admit otherwise. Makes you think. I mean, look, having a quick scroll for your Instagram before the show, and even right now, I've realised the only th- you don't just race. You're out here doing triathlons, mate. A couple of weeks ago, <laughs> you did your first triathlon. Yeah, it's kind of part of, I think it's maybe just a sporting thing. I think that was during lockdown, actually, and I wasn't racing. Um, and the only thing that I could do to kind of keep me entertained or give me some sort of interest uh, was yeah to train for something or have some goal. And I hadn't, I didn't have a race that um, I had in the calendar because everything was obviously locked down. So yeah. I saw there's a triathlon and yeah, booked it and thought that would be a bit of a laugh to do. And yeah, it was a good fun, actually. It's definitely something I want to do more of. Awesome, awesome. Love to see it, man. All right, we'll make sure we follow you on all the socials as well. And uh, like I said, Jamie, thank you for killing some time with us. And we wish you all of the best with your racing career. And yeah, man, I think you're, you're a great role model for young people, young women to look up to who want to get into racing as well. Speak to you soon, Cheers. hopefully, yeah? Cheers, bye. Cheers, all right, bye. Ah, so there we have it, Jamie Chadwick, man. What can I say? She really plays down the kind of level that she's at in a game, you know. So cool, calm and collected. All racing drivers feel like that, Bill. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think if you if you if you'd ask Lewis, oh, oh how do you? Oh, I just I just race. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that's, that's better. Yeah. I've noticed that. Do you think that all racers, because they live such a high octane lifestyle, that they're just like so like do they feel like everything is in slow motion because they're used to going at like two hundred miles an hour and having G forces smashing their neck. She's like, yeah, well, you know, driving. You know, if you stick your arm out of the window while you're driving, I'm thinking my arm would break off. And she's like, yeah, well, we feel more G-force than that while we're driving. I'm like, okay, cool. So your body's basically being pulled apart and you're going at 200 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely something to drivers. She's got that kind of air of calm confidence around her that those winners have, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you speak to anyone uh, a high level, I don't know. Yeah. Like even James Haskell, he's, 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 he's done loads in, in the world of rugby. He's rather chill himself and... Lewis, if yeah. you see him on TV, is chill. Like, ev- everyone's yeah, rather just relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right, I'd love to catch up with Jamie again in the future, man. It sounds like she's doing big things. Like she really played down like the formula stuff as well. Like she's on the development team as well. That's that's amazing for Williams too. Anyway, look, we must go. That is the end of today's episode. You can find us on social media at How to Kill an Hour. Also, don't forget we'll be popping up that video of the Honda E very soon as well. I am at Marcus Bronzy on How to Kill an Hour. Uh, uh, at- on social medias as well you can find us there uh thank you for killing some time with us i've been marcus bronzy i've been producer bill speak to you soon bless hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>